This morning's reading will be taken from the book of Revelation. We'll be reading from chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Good morning, church. This year, our congregational focus is on what we believe. And uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to really understand and perhaps remind ourselves once again of the core fundamentals of our faith in Jesus Christ. But this month, our focus is on the Bible. So in January 2023, our sermon series title is What We Believe About the Bible. Last week, Miles talked to us about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, where the Apostle Paul writes, All scripture scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I love that passage because it summarizes beautifully two things that we believe about the Bible. First, we believe that the Bible is the true word of God because it is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It means that it doesn't come from human beings. It comes from God, although God used human beings to reveal his will to the world. Secondly, we believe that the Bible is the authority for our faith and practice. That is to say that the Bible informs us of our purpose and of our identity as the people of God, as the church, and as individuals. Now, we also believe, because of those two things that we believe about the Bible, we believe that the Bible tells us the truth about God, about ourselves as human beings and our relationship with God, about the, the world in which we live, and also our place in it. Because of these things, we, we, we believe that that the the Bible um, tells us, or from the Bible, we derive our proper view of the world, you know, our worldview, that uh, through through the Bible, we see what God tells us, you know, how we see the Bible, how we see the world, because he tells us how he sees the world. And for that reason, the Bible is very important. But Here's the thing. We, we need to be careful how, I guess, how, how, we, uh, how, we, how we see the world. Uh, even though we are Christians and we profess our love and faith and, and, and that we profess that we honor and, and respect God and his word, we are, uh, there's some danger that we may have some erroneous beliefs about God, about our relationship with him, and about life, about this world. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. Um, I'll just give you an example. I've heard people say, for example, 
that they believe in God, but that God is distant. He's, he's far from us. They believe that God doesn't really get involved in the affairs of human beings. He's not really here. Unless we want him to resolve a problem, then he's here. Some people believe, and I've heard this, I have heard this, uh, you know, people say this to me, that some people believe that God expects human beings to be good and nice to each other because good and nice people, when they die, they go to heaven. And yet, other people I've heard say that the Bible is just a collection of, I don't know, of, uh, of, 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 of rules that Christians or those who profess to believe in God need to follow. There are some truths in those beliefs, maybe little, but in and of themselves, they're incomplete. So this morning, I want us to have a more complete understanding of the world, of God, of our relationship with God, and of the purpose that God has given us in this world. And the way that we want to do that this morning, the way that we want to have a a fuller understanding of God and of human beings and our part in our relationship together is by knowing the overall story of the Bible. You see, the Bible is composed of many books, 66 in total, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. But altogether, when you read it from start to end, they tell of a unified story. And this unified story is the story of God and his people. When we understand the Bible in, its, in a bird's eye view, knowing what the overall story of the Bible is, we are going to have a better appreciation of who God is. We're going to have a better appreciation of who we are, what our relationship with God is, what the Bible is for, that it's not just a bunch of rules that people follow or a bunch of stories that, that will make people feel good inside. And definitely when we know the story of God and his people, we will understand our purpose and our identity when, when in respect to God. So we're going to do that today by looking at the story of God and his people in two parts. First, we're going to look at the relationship part and the reconciliation part. The whole entire Bible, we can say, is about relationship and reconciliation. That is the overall story of God and his people. So the story of God and his people begins with relationship. When, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, it talks to us about the very start, the very start of the universe that we see in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see how uh, we see an account of how God created the universe and everything in it. And when you look at the entirety of the Bible, you see clearly that God had one purpose for creating. He wants to have a relationship with people. Now, you can probably say, well, how do you know, Jay, hand on heart, that this is it? That God created human beings for relationship? Well, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you guys like buying books in bookstores? How many of you guys do that? Not a lot of people. I love that. I don't read a lot of books, but I like doing that. Reading books, paper books. 
going to the bookstore and buying books. Um, now, Linda, my, my wife does that. I, I don't do it, but I like when she does it. This is how she does. This is how she picks a good book. I don't know how you guys pick a good book, but this is how Linda picks a good book in a bookstore. A book would catch her eye. She would pick it up. Normally, she would, normally most of us would look in the back and read it. She's not going to read the back. She's going to look at the front, and she's going to skip all the way back, and she is going to skim the ending of the book. She does. If the ending of the book sounds good, she'll buy it. And I'm like, in my mind, I was like, well, that totally ruins it for me, right? Because you, gotta, you can't know the ending. But that's how she, she, does, she, she does it with movies. She does it with books. So if it's a good ending, it's a good book. You know what? It's the same thing in the Bible. Genesis is the beginning of, of the Bible. Revelation is at the end of the Bible. If you flip to the back of the Bible, you see the book of Revelation. And at the later chapters, which is our scripture reading today, Revelation 21 verse 3, we see the ending of the story of God and his people. We see God's desired ending for his story. It's beautiful. Here it is right here. Revelation 21 3. This is a revelation of things to come. This is this is what heaven is going to look like, according to Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Look at the relationship there. God is not a distant God. He's not far away from us. He wants to be with us. He wants to live with us. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Do you guys see the relationship that God wants with, with, with people? God wants to be our God so that we can be his people. That is the covenant. That is the relationship that God wants from us. And we see that at the end. And when we see that, we understand the relationship that God wants from us. What he expects to happen as he created men and women. Now, some, of, some people might say, okay, well, the relationship that God wants from me is that he wants me to be his people and I'm gonna be, uh, he's going to be his God? He's going to be, he's going to be my God? Doesn't that sound like a little bit like harsh, for example? Like he created people so that he can boss them around? Is that what it is? It sounds like that, doesn't it? But it's not like that at all. Because we know that God is perfect love. We know that Him ruling over us, Him, Him being God over all of us, is not, is not, is not, uh, is not like what we know of the world. To be over somebody in that way. It, it's not. God's love, God's love for us defines his Godship over us. And we see this in the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon or Song of Songs is, uh, is a book about the love between man and woman. It's like romantic love. But it is an allegory or a symbol for the love that God has for his people. In Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 4, we read, He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. 
We see that, we see that uh, in many places. We hear that in songs today. But that is true for, the, for our relationship with God. God's banner over us is love. The banner is reminiscent of, like, uh, for example, like a war when there's this guy holding up a flag to rally the soldiers to come to that spot, saying, here I am. Here's where we meet. Here's our rendezvous point. But when it comes to God's headship and Godship over us, the banner above is not anything, is not anything negative. It is everything positive. It's love. God ruling over us is defined by love. That is what this means. Now, we ask the question, well, how do we know that for sure, Jay? We know because of how he created us. God created us in accordance with his image and likeness. We are like God when he created us. And we know this because of experience. We see it in the world. God is the creator of the universe. But because he loves us so much, when he created us, he said, you know what? I'm going to make men and women creators too. We know a lot of creative people in the world. But more than that, God did not say, I'm going to make Adam and Eve, but if I want more, I'm going to snap my fingers every time, and there's going to be like people popping up everywhere. He didn't make it that way, right? He made Adam and Eve become co-creators with him. We're able to produce life like God does. Isn't that beautiful? Creator. We are creators too like God because we are made in his image and likeness. God is the ruler of all the universe. But God, because he loves us so much, he said, I'm going to make men and women and I'm going to have them rule over my creation. In fact, in Genesis 1 verse 28, he, told, he commanded Adam and Eve to do these two things. He told them, go and multiply and go and rule or, or have dominion over all of my creation. Not only that, we know that God loves us so much because he gave us free will. That is the defining characteristic of love. Love is all about free choice. You, if God made us, made us robots, that he made us and he pre-programmed exactly what we're going to do and, 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 and say, that's not love. He said, you know what? I'm going to make you. I want a relationship with you. You have a choice to be with me or not to be with me. And we see that in the beginning of the story of God and his people. We see that in Adam and Eve. God gave them a choice. In Genesis 2, 16 to 17, we read, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God said, you have a choice. You can, you, we can have this relationship like we do now, where God literally walks with them in the garden, and they have a communion together and a relationship together. But you can be like me in a way that you will know right and wrong, that you will know what it's like to be naked. Because back then they were naked and they had no, they had no malice. They were comfortable. They're like little kids. They're innocent. But he says, if you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. But we know what happens, right? They didn't really die. But before that, I just want us to realize that there's now this complication in the story. 
And it comes really early in the story as well. Okay? This is where Adam and Eve will now have to make a choice. Do we continue to be ruled by God? Or do we just rule ourselves? Okay? Do we need to have God lord over us? Or do we want us to be lord over ourselves? This is that point. This is the fork that Adam and Eve found themselves in. And again, this is where the complication of the story happens. You guys know about complication in a story. Interesting stories have complications. We watch movies. We know this. And if you watch horror movies, there's a lot of complications in horror movies. I don't like watching horror movies because they make me upset. They make me very upset. Like, say for example, a typical horror movie would have like a main character live in a perfectly good house, but for some reason... They want to move out of that house into the country, into what's, to what really literally looks like a haunted house. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do it. Don't move there. But then I think if they don't move there, we're not going to have a movie, right? So they move there. And then the main character realizes that the base, they have a basement and that the basement is locked for some reason. So they do everything in their power to unlock the basement so that they can go under it. Like, don't do it. It's going to be a problem. But we know that if they don't go there, there's not going to be a movie, right? This is the complication that we see in the story of God and his people. Adam, Eve, don't do it. Don't eat that fruit. But we know that they did. We know that they chose to say no to God's rule and yes to self-rule. So that day, they died. But they did not really die. Because that would come later when they physically died, but they surely did die because they died a spiritual death. They were separated from their God. This relationship that God wanted, that I'm gonna be, He's gonna be our God and we are gonna be His people, ended when this happened. No more. That relationship is severed. And Isaiah tells us about that. That states, what happened? Isaiah 59 two. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Relationship? Gone. No more communication there. God initially intended for us to be his image bearers. He wants us to be the conduit of his glory in the world. But because we sinned, we have fallen short of that glory. And we see that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Done. But God is... Um, it, this all happened because God is a holy God. He's perfectly holy. And He is also perfectly just. He cannot stand a relationship with sin. Can't do it. But here's the thing. God is also perfect love. He's not just going to stop being in a relationship with his people. Because he is love. He knew this. So this is the second part of the story of God and his people. And you know what? It's probably 90% of the Bible. It's the reconciliation part. 
God tells us about his work and his movement in the world for most of the Bible, trying to reconcile us back to him, trying to restore that lost relationship that, they sh- that Adam and Eve should have had with God at the garden with us. And so he starts. He starts with this man called Abram. Do you guys remember him? Abram. Abram would later change his name to Abraham, or God would change his name to Abraham. But God made a covenant with him. And in his covenant with him, we can see the end in sight. We can see God's desired ending that we saw in Revelation. We see in the person of Abraham. Let's look at it. Look at Genesis 17, verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. You see, you see, you see a little bit of that. God wants to reinstate that relationship where he is God over his people. Because right now, none of that was happening. He doesn't have people. There's people in the world, but they are not holy to him. They are not separate for God's purpose. So God wanted to have that starting with Abraham. And this relationship, God reiterated with the descendants of Abraham, which are the Israelites. So before God liberated the Jewish people from Egypt, he restated that covenant. God tells them, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. See, God had this story all sorted out from the very beginning. He knew what he wanted with people. Relationship. And this is why we emphasize relationship. Even though that word relationship is not in the Bible, we see the concept in the Bible loud. It, it screams to us very loudly that God wants a relationship with us in that we are going to be his people and he will be our God. And so we know in Exodus 24 verse 7 that the people of Israel accepted that covenant because a covenant is a formal relationship between God and people. But there are you you have to say yes to it. You have to say yes to it. And so we hear this in Exodus 27, 24 verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, the people of Israel responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. But we know the story. Much of the Old Testament is full of the people of Israel not doing what they're supposed to do in the covenant. We see the ups and downs. They're with God, like here is an up. They remember the covenant, and then all of a sudden they forget the covenant. You know, just a few, just a few moments after this happened, a few days after this happened, even when God was in the mountain, do you guys remember that? And Moses was still in the mountain, getting like the rest of the details of the covenant from God. What were they doing down in the valley? They were creating a golden calf for themselves to worship. Do you guys remember that? But that happens 
happens consistently in the Old Testament. And we see that story there. And I think it's there so that we can understand the faithfulness of God. And I appreciate what, uh, what Amir said to us during the Lord's Supper today. How faithful and loyal our God is. They consistently sin. They consist- consistently spit at God's face. Forgetting their covenant with Him. But God continues to go to them. To reconcile Himself with them. So that they can have a right relationship together. And we know God used prophets for that in the Old Testament. But you know, God's faithfulness extends way further than time or space. God's faithfulness, we know the story, God's faithfulness had him thinking that I love these people so much, I'm going to give them the perfect sacrifice. Because there's only so far that the blood of bulls and goats can go. So I have prepared for them the perfect sacrifice. But it's not an afterthought. It's not an afterthought for God. God didn't go, you know what? The blood of bulls and goats didn't really, doesn't really do much, so I gotta do something here. That didn't happen. God prepared the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us to reconcile us back to Him before He even made the world. And we know this in Ephesians 1, 3 to 4. Praise be to God and to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Listen to this. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Before He even created light. Remember at the beginning? Before He even created um, the heavens and the earth, He knew that Jesus was going to be sacrificed for our sins because that is our number one problem the reason why our relationship with god was severed is because of sin and god had a provision for that in christ and so when christ came this is um this is uh this is something that we know because god already prepared that before he even created the world so in the old testament it's interspersed and i remember wayne said last time he preached that he preached a sermon about jesus not using the New Testament. He only used the Old Testament to preach about Jesus. Because God planned this before He created the world. We see it in the Old Testament. And an example of that is Isaiah 53, where we see that Christ would bear our griefs, that He will carry our sorrows, that He will be stricken and smitten by God. He will be afflicted. He's going to be pierced for our transgressions. He will be crushed for our iniquities. And upon Him will be placed the chastisement, the wrath, the anger of God. And that will bring us peace. And that will heal us. That was written 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. What an amazing love that God has for us. And so, this is the continuation of the story. And we know this story. And it's just really good for us to appreciate it at this time. Colossians 1, 19-20 For in Christ... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Because Jesus is God. And and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether in earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Did you guys see that? Reconciliation is God's work. 
we see that as a major theme in the overarching story of the Bible. God wants a relationship with us. And when that complication happened, caused by sin, He has been working and moving in the world for a long time so that He can reconcile us back to Him. God's glory, love, faithfulness, and mercy and grace is told to us in the story of God and His people. He wants a relationship with us. And I love this because it really helps us to appreciate why we are here. We are here for a reason. God wants us back to Himself. We're not just here so that our goal is to be happy. We're not just here for, so that our goal can be just to, you know, to be pleased with ourselves. To be happy with our lot in life. To accumulate things and pat ourselves with the comforts of life. We are here because God placed us here to be in relationship with Him. And we see that in Scripture loud and clear. And I want to leave with you this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20. Because it perfectly summarizes the story of God and His people. And, his people and gives us our purpose and our identity because of the story. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If we are going to go to God... Through Jesus, remember that we are going to put away our old self. We cannot fit all that baggage in the narrow path that leads to God. We have to put it away. We can't have any of it. We have to be a new creation with Jesus Christ as our new clothes. We have to put on Christ. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, we see that. That for as many of you as were baptized, if you are a baptized believer, you have put on Christ. You have put on Christ as your new clothes. That is our responsibility in the covenant. We need to understand that. But there's more. Look at this. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because God reconciled, because God's work is to reconcile people to Him, His people are now partners with Him, like He was partners with us even before when He created us. We are creators with Him, we are rulers with Him in a way, but we are also ministers of reconciliation with Him. God has given that work to us. So it's not just us, it's the whole world that goes to God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That is the good news. Sin is our number one problem, but through Christ and his work of reconciliation at the cross, sin will no longer be a problem. And finally, I don't want to leave you with this, with verse 20. 
And I'm gonna, we want to put this into a question. Verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And I want to end with two questions relating to that verse. How do we see ourselves in our relationship with God, in our purpose for God? Are we those ambassadors for Christ? Leading people to his son, Jesus Christ? And second question is, have you been reconciled to God with Christ? If you want to do that today, this is the perfect time. When we sing our song, the song invites us to come to him. I love this song. Um, I forgot it. I wrote it here somewhere. <laughs> Sorry. It's called Softly and Tenderly. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. If you are subject to the gospel today, if your mind and your heart is willing to come forward and put Jesus on in the waters of baptism, we have time for that. The water is ready for you to come forward. Let's stand and sing.